Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 11.30 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. And so um, it's still early in 2024 if you've kind of shied away from maybe some of your uh, resolutions, like eating more uh, fruit and vegetables. Um, And so uh, also it's heart month. And so we want to kind of bless your heart a little bit with uh, some tips on fruit and vegetables for heart health. And also it is the third Friday of the month, which means it's Friday in the garden. And we are hoping to have Mr. Robert Bouton on with us today. So um, we're recording, so uh, we won't take questions, but we're going to try to cover as much as possible um, and if you do have questions that we want to get to Robert later, um, just hit me up on these Power Hour Facebook page and, and leave me a detailed message in terms of what you'd like to, to hear about or talk about. So um, I was glancing at a couple of articles. One is in uh, 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 businessinsider.com, and it was talking about the uh, – it's, it's a couple of years old, but it's still relevant, the 20, 20th, uh, 20, 20 healthiest – fruits you should eat more of according to dietitians. Um, and so we're going to go through some of those. Uh, the, one of the first ones is apples, uh, not only high in um, gut-friendly fiber, but also a rich source of what they call a, a flavonoid called quercetin, a plant uh, compound that has oxidants and high anti-inflammatory properties. Now, the thing is, uh, and with, which I'd like to ask Robert, can you grow apples in Florida? Because my understanding is it's usually a northern fruit, but, you know, I want to talk about the best way to get them, you know, and, and who, you know, where you should get your source from. So we're going to talk to him about that. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to check in and see uh, uh, when Robert's going to be on, and uh, we'll get back to you. Your guest this is, is on. Power. Oh, Robert, are you there? Good morning. I'm here. I'm here. Hey, how how are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. Thank Good you. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. So, it is a beautiful day. Yes, it, it is. And, and it's Florida, so it's always beautiful. So anyway, I wanted to ask you about apples. because Now, can you grow apples in Florida? They will They will grow, uh, but they um, they put on maybe one or two apples. Uh, it's just not cold enough at uh, at certain times of the year. They need about uh-huh. uh, four four hundred fifty to five hours of chill hours below forty five degrees. We just don't have that. I have an apple right. tree in my yard, and sometimes it mm-hmm. puts on an apple. Sometimes it doesn't. But um, I I get a call from uh, uh, one of the people that worked down at the Disney. Uh, nurseries, and um, they wanted to know if they could plant apples. I said, you could plant apples. And then later they called me, later on in the season, they called me, and they had a big a big blotch on the apple. I said, what cause is this? And, and sunburn. It got sunburned. Oh. There wasn't enough foliage, not enough foliage on the apple tree, and that blazing hot sun plus the humidity and not getting cold enough makes just a really hostile environment for apples. So they'll grow. I mean, my apple tree is probably 20 years old, 
and in that time it's probably put on five apples. And if the sunburn doesn't get it, the squirrels will. Right. Yeah, we've got to battle those squirrels. Yep. All right. So with that being said, um, probably not worth the effort to try to grow an apple or or you know have an apple tree unless it's just you know for decoration or whatever. Where is the right. best place in the country to get apples from? Upstate New York and Michigan. Okay. I, I thought I wondered about that because, yeah, I, I've heard New York is probably one of the better places. I actually, um, in talking to my mom years back, she used to talk about my um, uncle who used to go up to New York uh, during certain seasons to pick apples. Like there are people that would pick yeah. oranges here and then go up to New York and pick pick apples up there. So, all right, so New right. York. Any right. particular type? I mean, a lot of people have preferences for apples in terms of what yeah. pies, which ones to eat raw and all that. What do you suggest? Well, I'd say upstate New York, Michigan, uh, northern Ohio, and of course uh-huh. the state of Washington uh, has lots of apples. There okay. are um, different kinds of apples. There are Apples for eating right off the tree and, uh, you know, good for eating. There are some that are really best uh, to be used in pies. Uh, a good example would be one called wine sap, very common plant uh, up north, um, but the apples are like rocks. I mean, you could actually break a tooth eating a yeah. wine sap apple. But, you know, you peel it and you put it in pies and it doesn't disintegrate into mush. It stays like an apple. So uh-huh. if you're, um, you know, looking for kind of a, a really nice chunky, uh, and and what you usually do, you put other apples together, so you have some hard, and some that are soft, to sort of make the sauce. And uh, so wine sap is great, absolutely one of the one of the best for making pies. And then there's eating apples. I mean, there's literally hundreds of varieties of eating apples. And they're always coming out with new varieties up in Washington and Minnesota. Um, but there's a, if you can, uh, if sometime if, when you're off the air, you look for a type of apple called macoon, M-A-C-O-U-N. And it's almost the following that that apple has is almost like a cult. Oh. Um, they, my my cardiologist, perfect example, um, goes up to Rhode Island to visit his son in school, and makes a jaunt over to New York State every year to harvest macoon apples, and he'll he'll bring back forty or fifty pounds of macoon apples. And then he'll share them with friends, but he keeps most of them to himself. But it's almost like wow. a cult. They're very, very protective of macoon apples. And many people consider it to be the finest apple in the world. But uh, I, and I'm not a member of that cult, you know. In fact, uh, when he came back, he wrote me, texted me and said, Robert, I have picked the 12 best apples in this 40 pounds and the next time I see you uh, I'll make sure that you get them and about two weeks later I get another email and said Robert I want you to know that I have six of the finest apples (laughs) of that 40 pounds and I'm going to wrap them up for you and I'm going to give them next time I see you and then about um, three weeks later I get a text message and he said Robert, listen, when I go up to upstate next fall, I'm going to get you some apples. <laughs> <laughs> you ate all my apples. You ate wow, my apples. my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. as a kid eating apples. And, you know, as a kid, you, you don't know, well, which kind of apple is this, Mom? You know, it's like it's an apple you ate it and stuff like that. But now, you know, I, I, I'm a little bit more discerning. Sometimes, and sometimes you can't be, sometimes you get what you get. And most of the times now I find that they are quite hard, the apples that you get now. 
Um, so I don't even like to eat them raw anymore. I usually like to do like a baked apple or something like that. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I usually either will like take the core out of it, put a little uh, a little cinnamon in it, and then um, stick it into like a ramekin and maybe microwave it. Or if I have more time, sure. you know, I'll, I'll slice them up and put them on um, like uh, I have a uh, let's say skinny grill, and I'll slice it up and sprinkle a little cinnamon on it and put it in, in the oven that way. Well, we uh, I'm I'm from Northeast Ohio where it gets down to 20 below in the winter oh, yeah. time. It usually has 18 inches of snow all the time. And my mother, uh, who came through the Depression, saves everything. And uh-huh. uh, I remember when we were when we were younger, um, she would we would get we would go out and pick apples. Number one, the apples that you pick off the tree. The taste is totally different than those that have been uh, stored and then distributed to uh, the um, uh, grocery stores. Totally different. Right. If you were to eat a um, red delicious apple off the tree, you would say it's one of the finest apples you've ever had. On the other wow. hand, if you eat a red delicious apple from the store, they have no flavor at all. And the skin is like plastic. So uh, your, your listeners, if you're ever, if you're ever anywhere near uh, the um, northern states in October, November, uh, you've got to go somewhere and pick apples because it's, uh, it's quite the thing. So um, I have to look she, that up. We, we collect, you know, hundreds and hundreds of apples every year and uh, you know, her family is German, and so uh-huh. she used to make these uh, sheet cake size uh, pastries called Kuchen. And she would make a um, a sweet dough, spread it out the size of a cookie sheet, and then uh, using tapioca and sugar, uh, spread it over the top and put apples, apple to apple, I mean very decorative, uh, and sugar and cinnamon over the top of that, and then she'd freeze them. We had a large upright freezer, and she would make probably 15 or 20 of these every fall, and then would store them in this freezer. And uh, when it got really cold, I mean, if it was like 10 below zero, and uh, the snow was coming down, and you couldn't get out to the mailbox, it was so bad, she would take out this um, sheet cake size kuchen and put that in the oven and uh, it would fill the house with this apple cinnamon flavor and uh, that kuchen lasted about uh, about 10 minutes in my family there's, there was six of us and we would just chomp on that thing and there was, there was I can still taste it and I can still still smell it um, there, uh, apples um, make such a great dessert they really do and they're great for you too do you know how to spell that? I want to look that up. I want to say it's K-U-C-H-E-N, but I could be wrong. All right. I'll take a look for that. So, yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, my cousin has a recipe for um, an apple crisp, and I, I, I try that every now and then with the um, oatmeal oh, yeah. and brown sugar and all that. Yeah. Oatmeal. Oh, yeah. 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 You can't. I learned something the other day. You know, I I teach cooking classes uh, over at Lou Gardens um, still, and one of the things uh, I just I learned within the last year or two is, um, you know how when you you pile the apples up on in a pie, um, and then when they cook down, they cook down, but the the pastry is still up high, so you get this little cave under there. Well, I learned recently that you take you take all the apples and the cinnamon and the sugar and everything that you're putting in there, you cook it first. Okay. So they so they come down a little bit and then you put that in the pie shell and then you put the pastry over that and that top won't collapse. It'll stay nice and tight against the uh, against the filling 
and it just makes for a much nicer, uh, much nicer looking pie. But cook it first, uh, you know, just okay. to be, just to bring it down just a little bit, and then you'll have a nice looking pie. So I think I found your well. It's a version, probably definitely not your your mom or grandma's recipe. But I think I found cooking K U C H E N. Um, it's on a site right. called Good Dinner Mom. Um, so I'm at least posting this one um, that I see on the G's Power Hour Facebook page. But if um, and yeah, they put it in in like a in this case they put it in like a a large uh, Pyrex type of dish but uh, um, uh-huh. yeah but so it's probably going to come do, out a little bit differently and we used to do the same thing with peaches we had a relative who had a 400 acre uh, peach farm and we mm-hmm. would we would harvest bushels and but we would probably uh, 10 15 bushels of peaches uh-huh. every fall about the size of um, well, I guess it would be like a tennis ball size. And um, you just, you know, when we were up north, we used to come to Florida and admire all the oranges and bananas and um, avocados and all that. And then when we're in Florida, all we all we want is apples and pears and and cherries and, and um, some more apples. Isn't that funny how we always want what we can't get? We can't get, yeah, exactly. So yeah, so um, so I found that, and it does mention like pears and plums and whatnot in there. So, but I, you know, I guess you know whatever your your uh, recipe, I, you you could probably do it with um, almost anything uh, that has some sort sure. of, uh, I, yeah. I was gonna say maybe, uh, is it pectin? Is that kind of what right. the, a lot of those fruits have in common? So. Yeah, pectin you use when you can, uh, when you make jams and jellies, you use pectin as well. It gives it, it stiffens it up a little bit, makes it so it's not runny. Mhm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna. Yep. Gee, I didn't realize we we're gonna talk that much about apples, but it's a good conversation. We're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back. It's Friday in the Garden with Robert Bowden. We're talking about a few um, heart healthy. Uh, fruits and vegetables. Uh, we, we try to bless your heart um, this heart month to keep you keep you healthy. This is G's Power Hour. I've never had it so good entertainment, and we will be right back. At Vintage Labs Collection, we are a multifaceted team of medical professionals dedicated to delivering the best quality products to patients. Our mission is to deliver the best supplement and patient outcomes in healthcare environments and consumer homes. Chat with our consulting pharmacists by visiting our website at www.vintagelabscollection.com. Supplements are not highly regulated, but Vintage Labs holds the standards higher than most. Having a wedding, reception, family reunion, planning a banquet, or some other fundraising event. Need to share your knowledge through a workshop or seminar, or it's a difficult time and you need to plan a wake or repast. Let us help. At our gatherings, let us reduce the stress and make the occasion memorable, treasured. Call our gatherings at 407-968-9387 or email ourgatherings at yahoo.com. Let us help plan your special event. Good morning. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. Here with Robert Bowden, it's Friday in the Garden, and we're talking about some heart-healthy fruit and vegetables and stuff. Uh, we, we talked a lot about apples in a recipe uh, that his family um, is, is very near and dear to his heart, uh, cooking. Uh, I, I posted a version of it on the G's Power Hour Facebook page um, that comes from a site called Good Dinner Mom, but there are other fruits and vegetables um, that uh, they talk about. Um, Beets and pomegranates, um, uh, berries, uh, and uh, tomatoes, avocados, uh, and, and citrus. Um, I want to talk a little bit about beets because I know originally when I, I was growing up, my dad loved beets, and I was like, really? 
it was just something about it that I, I could I couldn't get past. But now I know this is very popular, and they do things with beets, like for sweeteners, since they're trying to get away from a lot of processed sugar. Can you talk about beets, and can you grow beets here in Florida? Uh, beets are one of the easiest vegetables to grow. Uh, they're a uh, member of a unique uh, family of plants that um, includes uh, beets and Swiss chard and a few other things. When you plant a single seed of beets, oftentimes you get three or four seedlings from the same seed. So when you sow seeds directly in the ground, which is what you should do, um, you you churn up the soil a little bit, create a furrow about a half inch deep, and you uh, gently uh, sow those vegetables, those beet seeds about two inches apart, cover them up with dirt and water them, and you're on your way. Beets are very, very easy to grow. And there's lots of different kinds. They come in different colors. There's, of course, the the really deep red uh, beet that everyone's familiar with, but it comes in yellow as well. Uh, and there are sugar beets. Can't forget those. Uh, a large portion of the sugar that we eat every day in processed foods and at home comes from sugar beets. And uh, the United States is one of the largest producers of sugar beets. And then there's different shapes. The one there's one that I like particularly. It's called cylindrica, so it grows like a carrot. Instead of being round, it grows like a carrot, and it gets about six to seven inches long. And when you're cooking and when you're using beets, um, you know it's kind of hard to peel a round beet. It takes a lot of time and effort. But if you grow the cylindrica or the it's carrot-like shape. It's so easy to take a potato peeler and, and just peel those in, in a matter of seconds and then use those in recipes. So I like the, the cylindrica, and that's a red beet. And don't forget, you can eat the foliage on beets. Um, the greens are very healthy. Um, the beet itself is very, very high in vitamin K, which is kind of hard to find when you look at all the foods that are out there. Vitamin K is not represented very well. So beets are really good for that. And um, then the foliage. So you can use that. You can cook it or you can use it in salads. There's a particular beet called um, 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 blood. Um, and sure enough, the foliage is really deep purple with bright red stems. And uh, like I said, the green tops or the, or the red tops can be included raw in salads. And it just makes the salad uh, a little more interesting. It makes it almost pretty having all those different colors in the bowl or on your plate. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a, a, a really nice. And, of course, um, everyone should, should grow uh, beets to, grow, to uh, make a, a, a soup called borscht. B-O-R-S-C-H, borscht. It's a beet soup, and it is outstanding. It's just, it's, it's you know, really dark red-purple color, and then uh, you serve it hot with a dollop of sour cream in the center. And it's a, it's a Russian soup. Uh, it's for, you know, cold, dreary days like we have coming up Saturday and Sunday. It's going to be... Uh, overcast and raining and just to make some borscht soup and you'll be glad you did it is a it's probably the best soup um that i've ever made is borscht it's very very really? tasty and good for you yeah yeah b-o-r-s-c-h-t yeah b-o-r-s-c-h-t yeah it's, it's uh there's a recipe for uh uh, they have a video actually on a site called Natasha's Kitchen. I'm trying to post that recipe for. It's a classic borscht uh, recipe. It says it's Ukrainian borscht, so it's uh, uh, looks like it's pretty good. And you know what? The good thing about it, 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 you could probably cook some of these soups any time of year and just maybe store them. You know, you got to check to see what can and can't be stored. 
but store them in a freezer because it's really an easy dish to to pull out, you know, soups and then have it with, with a salad. You know, sometimes you don't have a lot of time, but you still want to do the healthy thing. So that's a good thing to do. Well, you can, so. you can definitely um, freeze and store borscht soup. Um, you can make up a big batch in a big pot and then put it in smaller containers and just pull it out. Um, it's, yeah. it's not a complicated recipe, but if you can have it frozen and just pop it in the microwave, it makes life so easy. It's, it's a, a, and, you know, beets also uh, can be served cold. Um, in one of my cooking classes, uh, I talk about or we actually prepare uh, beets that have been uh, diced and refrigerated, and um, I like to I like to the different colors. Once it's once they're cold and you put it in a salad, the colors don't run together, so you see a distinct uh, burgundy color and a distinct gold color, and then to that um, you can add um, a very very small finely dust, uh, diced onions uh, and some carrots in that and then you use a, a raspberry vinaigrette and you let that you, you make that the day before and you put it in the refrigerator and i've had people uh in my class say no 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 i really don't like beets so um, i don't i don't need a sample i said do me a favor just have just have a spoonful all right i'm mm-hmm. not asking you to eat the whole bowlful just have a spoonful and um i want them over uh, i have yeah. yet to say to have someone say I still don't like beets, you know you have that you have that raspberry vinaigrette and the beets and the celery and the onions, uh, you just can't beat that. The flavor is incredible, um, and it's we just like beets. There are a lot of good things to do with beets. Yeah, sometimes we we've got to just uh, open ourselves up to to try stuff, you know. So, um, right, that's one. I wanted to ask you also about um, another fruit. Uh, well, that's a vegetable. I want to ask you about cranberries, so. though. Um, is that something that you can grow here, or is that something that you no. have to get elsewhere? Cranberries, no. Yeah, cranberries are, are grown up north in the water, and the berries are actually uh, growing in the water below the surface of the water, grown in big bogs. And then they have this uh, oh, floating machine. Yeah, they have this big floating machine. It's like an underwater lawnmower. And mm-hmm. uh, it, the cutters, they go down below the surface of the water, uh, right down to the bottom of the pond. And they make these ponds. These aren't natural lakes. These are ponds that they make. Mm-hmm. And they actually, it's, a, it's a, uh, almost like a shrub underground. And uh, they, they mow and they cut all of the stems off, and then the cranberries float to the, float to the top. And then they have another machine that comes in with big, wide arms. It kind of gathers them all up. Uh, and and it, um, It's like a water version of growing wheat, I guess, and they just gather them all up. And um, I don't know if you know this, but there's um, – there's only one or two uh, manufacturers of, or processors of cranberries, um, and then they just simply change the label on the can. So you get ocean oh, wow. spray. It's the same as the same as a Kroger. It's same as a Publix brand. It's all the same company. They just put different labels on the can. Oh wow! Okay, good to know. <laughs> so is it because it's the, they're Labor intensive is that why you find so few growers, or because it's regionally restricted? What is it? Well, uh, you have to have uh, cool temperatures, and you have to have uh, you have to build these ponds, and it's not it's not inexpensive, and uh, quite honestly, there's not a lot of money in cranberries like there are in, and it's a fall, a late summer fall product, so mm-hmm. it's a very limited time to to harvest them, and it takes a lot of space to grow them because you have to grow in these man-made ponds uh, for them to live. Wow, wow. 
So, um, I mean, because I got another question, too, but we're going to take a quick break. Um, we're here with Robert Bowden. It's Friday in the Garden, and uh, we're not taking questions today. But if you have questions for Robert um, that we could talk about another time, hit me up on the G's Power Hour Facebook page. But uh, we'll be right back. This is G's Power Hour on Never Had So Good Entertainment. And we'll, like I said, we'll be right back. This is Douglas Dobbs of Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community for 29 years with quality funeral and cremation services. Honoring all religions and faith, we have been here for many grieving families. Whether it's a complete funeral service with a burial or a simple dignified cremation, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here for you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720. Dobbs dedicated to serving our families. Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you, caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next 60 years. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Jeet's Power Hour. I've never had it so good entertainment. I am your host, Jeet. Thanks so much for being with us. Today we are celebrating Heart Month. Um, we are celebrating Friday in the Garden with Mr. Robert Bowden. And um, we were talking about cranberries. Um, I wanted to ask you, though, not just with cranberries, but with other fruits, uh, you can seem to find now a lot of, I guess you could say, dried versions of various fruits um, in the stores now, which, for example, with the cranberry, the cranberries, I do use dried cranberries in salad. I've used them in, in dressings and some other recipes. So I, I, they, I guess to me, are, and I could be wrong, but growing a little bit in popularity, but not in its original form or the form that we used to, around Thanksgiving, um, is there uh, a takeaway or any type of uh, benefit from having a, a dried version of the, the various fruits uh, versus the natural vers- version that you know of? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not an expert in this regard, but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that um, all the vitamins that are available to you uh, in uh, natural form versus dried form are going to be the same. That's why, okay. um, you know, cranberries and prunes, uh, dried apples, all that, um, they, it still offers fiber and it still mm. offers all the vitamins and the nutrition that they would uh, before they were dehydrated. That's why those dehydrators are uh, becoming quite popular now it just makes it much more convenient uh, to um, dehydrate um, some of these fruits and keep them on the on the shelf. And when you need mm. a quick little healthy bite of something, uh, you, you can do that. You don't have to store it anymore. But I think the health benefits are exactly the same. Do you do classes on dehydrating um, foods? No. No, never okay. done that. I have had a I have had classes on canning and freezing, but not okay. but not on dehydrating. I what I understand, um, it's a pretty easy thing to do. You need something that you can. It's a a machine that does that. My daughter-in-law um, dehydrates a lot of food uh, all the time and meats too. You know, she makes her own beef jerky and things like that. So it's wow. fairly easy to do. Um, and it, she keeps them in little uh, Ziploc bags on the kitchen shelf, and whenever you need a little snack, you know, you eat a handful of cranberries. Or um, We love uh, sun-dried tomatoes in recipes, and those are, those are uh, sun-dried as well. So I mm-hmm. think the health benefit is the same. I, I should mention, okay, too, so. um, uh, you know, I forgot to mention that this is the uh-huh. time of the year that you want to grow beets. Uh, beets don't grow very well here in the summer. So fall, winter, spring, you still have okay. time 
uh, to grow beets. So, and you don't need, even though there are a lot of different varieties, uh, they all taste the same, uh, and they just come in different colors. So you can go to a garden center or one of the home mm-hmm. improvement stores. They have seeds out right now. And uh, just grab you some seeds. You can grow them in containers. Um, I've got a, um, uh, I think it's about 14-inch clay pot at home. And, um, you know, some people don't have land uh, to grow, but, um, you know, they have a patio or they have a porch or a terrace on an apartment. And if you're facing east, south, or west, uh, you can grow a wide variety of vegetables, including beets. So I'm growing uh, a lot of carrots in containers right now, and I am growing beets in containers. And, again, if you grow that carrot-like beet called cylindrica, mm-hmm. you can grow a lot more in a smaller space because they're, they're not as big around as beets. And you can, you can grow them, uh, you know, like two inches apart instead of four inches apart. So you can get twice as many beets grown in a container um, if you use the cylindrica type, but um, and th- again, uh, they grow really, really well. And then you uh, you harvest the greens and put those in your salad while the beet is still growing in the ground. Mm. You can harvest the leaves and use that. So uh, you know it continues to grow, it continues to make the beet underground. But while it's doing that, you can harvest the foliage on top and use that. So beets are very versatile in that regard, and they're uh, you know, when you when you grow them yourself, you save a ton of money. I was in the grocery mm. store the other day, and I saw a bunch of beets. There were six of them. They're grown organically, and they wanted seven dollars for them. And I wow. can grow two two hundred and fifty beets for the cost of a pack of seeds, which is two dollars and fifty cents. Wow. So let me so ask you, because you, 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 you mentioned the the, the uh, length of the beet, and I, I wanted to ask you about the, not only the beets, but like carrots and some of these other uh, vegetables that grow underground. I had a couple of questions. One, how deep of a container do you need, if you're going to do it in a container, to grow those types? And then two, yeah, a, since they're growing underground, how do you know when they're ready? Uh, Well, number one, um, there aren't any vegetables that you can grow in Florida that grow more than 10 inches long or 10 inches deep. So any container that you have, it doesn't make any difference how wide it is, but it has to be at least 10 inches tall. All right? Okay. So that's that. Uh, And that's that's why we use uh, 2x10 pressure-treated boards to make raised beds. Because uh, okay. you fill that up with good potting soil, and you don't need to go any higher than that, unless you have a bad back or something you want to build them a little higher. But a typical raised bed is four feet wide, ten feet long, and only ten inches deep, and that would take thirty cubic feet of some kind of soil, and you can grow mm-hmm. all the vegetables that you can possibly eat, uh, because there aren't any vegetables that grow more than than uh, 10 inches long. And what was the second okay. question? Second question is, because these uh, beets and carrots and uh, all those types of things grow underground, how do you know when they're ready? Well, the nice thing about, uh, you know, carrots and beets and even potatoes, which you should be planting now, potatoes are planting right now. So go to your feed mm-hmm. store and buy some seed potatoes and grow some potatoes. Um, The nice thing is you can harvest them before they're mature. So uh, a typical red Irish potato uh, that you can get in the store could be, I don't know, two, two and a half inches in diameter. All right. Well, that's a mature potato. But if you're growing, if you're growing potatoes at home, um, you can move the soil away a little bit. Uh, and you'll see little tiny potatoes under there, and you can eat those. You don't have to wait for them to be mature. So you have little tiny, you know, one-inch diameter potatoes you can have for dinner. The same holds true for carrots and beets 
and just about anything else. You can harvest them at any time during mm-hmm. their life cycle. Same thing with, uh, well, any of the ground covers or any of the things that grow underground, you can just harvest at any time. If you want to know uh, when to pick them when they're at their, when they're mature, like carrots, for instance, you'll see carrots will start pushing themselves out of the ground a little bit. And you'll uh-huh. see, um, you'll see what we call the shoulder of the carrot. So you know, there's all this beautiful green growth, uh, and it should be tall and healthy. Um, if it's still short, it's probably not ready yet, but tall. And then you should see that that foliage grows into the top of the carrot. And if you could see the what we call the shoulder, or the very top of the carrot itself. It's, mm-hmm. ready, it's mature and it's ready to be harvested. And the nice thing is you can leave it in the ground for a period of time. You don't have to pick everything all at once. You can you can uh, leave them in the ground and pick them when you're ready. Okay. I want to move to uh, citrus um, because and I, I want to ask about citrus. Well, before I go to that, actually, let me let me back up. Let me backtrack. Uh, another item that grows underground, pineapple, which is also supposed to be heart healthy. Um, pineapple, is that the same thing? Is, does it push up like the carrot um, where you see no. the shoulder of it? No. Okay. Nope. So how does that work? Nope. Um, carrots, or, I'm sorry, um, pineapple is a mm-hmm. fruit that grows above the ground. So you've seen um, – Bromeliads, right, growing out in the garden, beautiful, yes. different colors. That are, we call them a base plant, right? And sometimes right. they put on a little a little flower, but that's what a pineapple looks like. So you get okay. beautiful pineapple foliage, um, and it's green, and it's oh, very okay. nice. And yeah, and after after a, a year and a half or so, um, after you, you can. When you when you buy a pineapple from the store, right. they're going to ripen after you buy them. Right. And when you get ready to use them, you're going to cut the top of that pineapple off about an inch below the right. foliage, and then you're going to let that dry for a couple of days. And you, you can let either it dry. put that in a pot. Okay. Yeah, you let it dry for two or three days. And you can either put it in a pot or you can put it in the ground. So mm-hmm. um, where the foliage meets where the pineapple used to be, that should be the same level as the soil in the pot or in the ground. It may want to fall over because there's just nothing to keep it in place. So you may have to put a, a, a small bamboo stake or something next to it, a little steel rod to keep it upright. Uh, and eventually it will form some roots. And uh, it usually, from that point to the point of harvest, usually takes about a year and a half, provided it has full sun and has adequate moisture. You don't have to fertilize them. Moisture. They don't need that. Don't yeah, need so just give them water and keep them in full sun. A year and a half later, they're going to be pretty big. They're going to be about 18 inches tall. They're going to be very healthy and well, where's my pineapple? You know, I don't see. Well, um, sometimes they're a little lazy, and you have to encourage them to produce a pineapple. So what you do, um, speaking of apples, you take an apple of any kind, doesn't make any difference what it is, and put that mm-hmm. into the center of that vase. All right? Just drop it into the, you know, where it holds water. Uh-huh. Just drop it in there and then cover the whole plant with a plastic bag and make sure that you take that plastic bag and put it all the way to the ground. Just kind of wrap it up, all right? Mm-hmm. So the apple, uh, even after it's picked, produces a gas called ethylene gas. Uh-huh. And um, we use that to encourage flowering or producing uh, the fruit. So we leave the apple in there overnight, 14 hours. 
You wake up the next morning before you go to work. You take the plastic bag off. You take the apple to lunch um, and eat that for lunch. And within probably five to six weeks, you look down in the center of that plant and you're going to see a little baby pineapple starting. Mm. And then from that point on, it could take another month and a half or two um, for that pineapple to get up size. And you know it's ripe when you see a little yellow ring at the very bottom of the fruit. When you see that it's starting to change to gold color, you want to you want to harvest that right away because the possums and the raccoons will smell that and they oh. will eat it. Um, they have this uncanny ability of eating the pineapple that you are going to pick tomorrow, oh. and it's really frust- it's really frustrating. So when yeah, you see yeah. a little bit of of gold, then you want to go ahead and harvest it. Okay. Okay. All right. So we're going to take our final break. When we come back, I'm going to see if we can, we may not hit everything, so we may need to do a part two, but I want to talk about citrus, um, vine-grown fruit, and uh, there was something else, but we'll we'll talk about it. We're here with Robert Bowden. It's Friday in the Garden on G's Power Hour on Never Had So Good Entertainment, and we'll be right back. This is Douglas Dobbs, owner and funeral director at Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community with two generations of family funeral service. With the recent addition of my son Brandon, we are here to take care of the needs of Central and West Orlando. From simple cremation to a full burial, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here to help you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720. Dobbs dedicated to serving our families. Hi, I'm Tim Garrison. Uh, You may know me as Timmy G. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's been two decades, but I want you to know I'm back in the Arglatex, and I've got a mix of music that can help you relax and chill out. It's smooth. It's relaxing. It's chill out jazz. The soulful mix of smooth jazz, soul, and smooth R&B. So join me every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. to midnight, on K-Ham Radio. Good afternoon, welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. Happy Friday. It's Friday in the Garden. We're here with Robert Bowden. And, okay, so citrus ain't what it used to be in Florida anymore. Let's talk about it. Should we be still trying to grow it here? I know we had the the greening issue and some other things. What's the latest with citrus here in Florida? Um, there is no good news. Um, citrus okay. has a um, disease that's passed from tree to tree by a little tiny bug, and there's nothing you can do to prevent greening once it gets it. Um, the tree is dead. So all the trees that um, you see growing in the stores that people are paying 30 or $40 for, they will die. Uh-huh. That's matter of fact. I wish I didn't have to say that. And people are amazed because I don't have empathy for the trees. And, you know, uh, we have to keep trying. No. There, there is no known cure. It's a pathogen. It's a bacteria, actually. And the University of Florida, there's uh, stations all over the country, including Washington State uh, in California, that are doing uh, an equal amount of work to try to find an end to this greening disease, but they simply can't. Um, there's even been some emergency um, approvals from FDA to allow uh, researchers to use uh, streptomycin and other human chemicals to control uh, the bacteria. But what what could run then, you know, you, you know, if all the trees are sprayed with streptomycin and we eat those oranges, there could be the potential of us making um, streptomycin or other um, medicines 
not be as um, as strong and not work when it gets to the human side. So they're very hesitant about using um, uh, streptomycin and other medicines like that to cure this. Um, they're, they're, if there's a any light at the end of the tunnel, it's that Washington State, the university there, has been able to create um, these bacteria in petri dishes in the laboratory. Um, prior to that, um, the only way we were able to do any testing, scientific testing, is do it in the field out there in the citrus grove. And mm-hmm. there's just so many externalities that could affect uh, the result of any of the tests that um, it, the tests really weren't worth much. But now oh. they're able to uh, put them in a petri dish. They can create. They can perform all of these different tests on different products uh, without um, uh, anything else being involved in it. So that's really, really good news. Um, but um, the simple fact is, um, all citrus trees are going to die. Um, oh. Uh, we we were at the uh, Lou Gardens Flower Show or uh, their uh, plant sale, which is uh, March eighth and ninth. I think nine mm-hmm. and ten this year, Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. And uh, a, a friend of mine who grows citrus in South Florida brought up a uh, it's called a sugar bell, and mm-hmm. sugar bell is the only citrus tree that University of Florida recommends. Uh, to produce fruit in Florida despite the greening, okay? So I was really, really excited because I was going to have a, I was going to have an orange tree in my yard. Well, uh, I noticed six months later um, it has greening already. So oh, no. I mean, here here's a tree that was recommended by you know one of the top agricultural universities in the country. Uh, this is the one you can use, and within six months, it had already gotten it. So, oh, wow. no, do not do not spend your money. Uh, I have a neighbor right across the street, and he put he bought a tree uh, and put it right in the middle of his yard, in the front yard. Three years later, it's just sticks. Oh, wow. My son bought a house up in Orange City, bought three trees, uh, from Home Depot because his wife wanted citrus trees. And they planted them, and sure enough, two years later, they're dead. So, wow. you know, save save your $30 a tree. You know, save that money. Buy vegetables or buy seeds or buy something pretty, but forget mm-hmm. the citrus because there's just no cure whatsoever for it, period. End of so story. is that just here in Florida or is that anywhere in the United States? It it is creeping towards California. Yeah. Oh dear. It occurred here in the US. It came from Brazil uh in two thousand three and they mm. found it on citrus in two thousand five. Um and it, it hit Florida really hard. Uh Texas has it now. And it's headed for California, so that's why everyone's really. You, I'll tell you how serious this greening disease is. Eight years ago, the state of Florida produced uh, 180 million boxes of citrus. That would be mm-hmm. tangerines, oranges, grapefruit, the whole thing. This right. year. They're expected to harvest 15 million boxes. That's all. So from 180 to 15 in a matter of eight years. And every year that number gets lower and lower. Just two years ago, it was 30 million. But we're at 15 right now. It's pretty serious. It's sad. It is so sad. Because I remember my father growing um, oranges in his backyard, and I had a job in Ohio for a couple of years, so he used to send boxes of 
of oranges up there that I would share with my coworkers. And the thing is, they were right. kind of ready looking or whatever, but, you know, they were picked, you know, they weren't all shined up and everything like you see in the stores. They were like, really? Right. Then when they tasted it, like, oh, these are the best oranges I've ever had, you know, because they were, you know, homegrown yeah. and not going through the it's, process. But, yeah. It's like home cooking. What if, you know, it always yeah. tastes better. Melons, cantaloupe, watermelon. Um, when's the best time to be growing those? Those are um, uh, usually plant melon seeds in uh, April or May, and then uh-huh. uh, on into the beginning of summer. Um, so you want to do that late spring. Now you can start them uh, in peat cups or you know some kind of container. Uh, prior to that, you could probably start melons uh, in early April, and then and then plant them out in late April or May, um, and they all do extremely well. You know, Florida is the number one watermelon producer in the country. Uh, wow. We grow more watermelons than anyone, than anyone else uh, because we're able to. We have a long growing season. And we're able to get our watermelons to the stores before anyone else in the country. So we're very well known for our watermelon. And with the sandy, well-drained soil that we have, that's what watermelon's like. So for watermelons, you're looking for seeds of Mickey, Mickey Lee. You're looking for cantaloupe seeds. You're looking for a cantaloupe called Ambrosia. Uh, it's uh, the finest antelope in the world and um, very, very easy to grow. So ambrosia for your cantaloupe. Okay. And last, because we, we're running out of time, berries and grapes, these are the, the viney type of uh, fruits that we, we like. So what kind of tips do you have for that? Um, they're you can't grow table grapes in Florida. You know, the grapes that you just pop into your mouth and like the green okay. and the red grapes you get at the store. Those don't grow here. What does okay. grow is a native grape called muscadine. And, oh, yeah. Um, heard of those. They, yeah, muscadine. It has a really tough um, exterior skin on it. Uh, it's very chewy. Usually you end up spitting that out. Even the raccoons won't eat the skin of a muscadine. But there's full forms and there's yellow forms and red forms. They're all varieties that have been worked on and, and hybridized from the native grapes that grow in Florida. Um, the the grapes themselves, the the bunch of grapes, it won't have 25 or 30 grapes on it like you get from the store. It may have, you know, six or seven grapes on a bunch. Uh, they mm-hmm. they're, make no mistake, they're tasty. They're very good. They don't yeah, require any care. Um, uh, you can um, you can grow them on horizontal wires like they do uh, in the vineyards in Europe, and it, it, they grow very well that way. Uh, I know Lake Ridge Winery. Um, they make a good wine out of it, several different kinds, uh, and it's quite good. I don't know that it's ever going to win blue ribbons in uh, America for its flavor, but um, it's a it's a homegrown Florida uh, wine that's uh, that's tasty. So um, they're very very easy to grow. And how do you know when to harvest your grapes? Don't know. You yeah, you go out into your garden and uh, you look at your grapes and you see lots and lots of grape skins laying on the ground. <laughs> um, that means that means a raccoon and a possum have been there, and they mm-hmm. will not eat grapes that aren't ripe. Okay. So um, you go out in your garden one day and there's lots of skins on the ground. Harvest those babies because uh, um, if you don't, you're not going to have any left. Those those raccoons, they bring in their friends from all over Central Florida to eat your grapes. 
Robert, thank you again so much for your wealth of knowledge. We really appreciate it and look forward to having you back next time. Uh, Happy Heart Month to you. Take care. Be well. Thank you very much. You have a great Valentine's. Bye-bye. Bye, bye. And thank you all for listening. This has been G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. Have a blessed, safe, and enjoyable weekend. And please remember, all real power comes from God. Take care. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.